Good morning. It's good to be with you guys this morning. I was on the road this week and so glad to be home. Good to be with you guys. Welcome back students. I know there's some students here that have been out for break and want to say, hey, we're, we missed you. We're glad you're back. You're in that number. So glad you're back and welcome to our new spot. If this is your first, first week, we're so grateful for this place. Jordan said earlier today is we do this once a year, uh, early in the year, called Oath Sunday, uh, on top of the hill. You know, uh, my family loves Pikes Peak. Uh, we've, we've, I've driven up there once, said I'd never do that again. I'm not that crazy about driving up and looking in my rear view mirror, and all I see is blue sky. I don't like that. So I'd rather walk up that mountain than drive up it any day. So we've... We've hiked it several times uh, over the past 20 years. If you've been up there, and many of you I know have, you'll, you'll find a memorial or a plaque up there with the lyrics to the song America the Beautiful up there. That's where the song was written, right there on top of the mountain. And uh, I love going to that plaque and looking and standing there and just seeing the incredible view uh, that's up there. You can really take it in. Uh, when the weather allows it. It's really beautiful. And I want to start this morning by saying God is really doing a beautiful work uh, in us, uh, through us, among us. Psalm 126 reads, When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with song of joy. And it was said among the nations, The Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has indeed done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. So restore our fortunes, Lord, like streams in the Negev, like those who sow with tears and reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. I love this psalm because it is a confession of a community refocusing itself. It's rediscovering its well-being in God. It's focusing its best thought and passion on what God has done for it. You know, we started Rock Hill six and a half years ago. We had a plant team. I counted them this week. I don't really count things very often, but we had 50 counting uh, our children, there were about, there were 50 of us, exactly, unless I miscounted. Of those 50, 26 are still with us, by my count. Uh, So I want to say, we don't talk about our original plant team very often, but like, just raise your hand if you're one of those 26. Come on, get them up there. Like, just want to say thank you to you guys for like, toughing it out, yeah. We really appreciate not just putting up with me, but um, the way that you've faithfully hung in there uh, with us. I want to give them uh, the opportunity to share for a few minutes. We're going to have a little bit of open mic here to start us. There's three or four or five of them who volunteer. Just I said, I said you've got 
two sentences, then I said, okay, you can have a minute. Now you've got 30 seconds, because a couple more came in, so, so <laughs> call an audible right now if you need to. But uh, I asked a few of them if they'd just say, the question was like, how have you seen God at work in these six and a half years we've been sharing this together? So you know who you are. If uh, you volunteered, stand up. Jordan's going to bring you the mic and uh, go. Ginger, Ginger's going to bat a lead off here. Okay, I'm speaking for Ryan and I. He couldn't be here this morning, so I wrote it down since we came up with this together. It might be 45 seconds. <laughs> you got it. Uh, we've seen God at work in our kids' lives here in this church. This church has really loved them so well. Cindy worked with them as explorers when they were young and took them to McDonald's when they memorized verses or completed a challenge. Countless people have given time to make the Bible come alive for them in their classes. And as the youth group formed, our kids have had the opportunity to develop more of a relationship with God and even go to summer camp. The church has been wonderful mentors for our kids. They feel really known, and something really sweet for me is that Ryan and I got to minister and love on some of our youth leaders when they were college students at K-State, and now many of them are starting their own families, and my own kids have gotten a chance to love on their kids, and that's really sweet. And there have been hard trials, too. We, there's been a lot of unknowns as we came to Plant Challenge and join with what the church was up to here. And many families experienced loneliness, financial difficulties, and mental and physical health challenges in the first few years. And it's also been hard to say goodbye to so many of the families who've moved. But the church has undoubtedly shown commitment and loyalty to our family, which has really spoken love to us in so many ways. And this has helped us to enjoy the journey of partnership and it warms our hearts to know that the KU students have a wonderful church here that they can call home to. Thank you, Ginger. That's awesome. You know who you are, so you just pop up. Go ahead, Caleb. I'm kind of the same as Ginger. I'm going to share for Mallory and I both because we talked about this, but something that we've seen over and over throughout the last six years is God answering prayers. Um, we started out, and like Ginger mentioned, Cindy was teaching, Cindy and Mallory were teaching the only kids class that we had, and they were ages 0 to 12 or something, which if you can imagine making a curriculum for that wide of an age range, it was pretty incredible. Um, but we started praying at that time for more families and more kids, and we saw grow, God grow our ministry to four kids classes now, and then we started praying for a youth group and for a group of junior high and high school students that we could create our own group together and minister to, and he provided that. Um, we've prayed for gray-haired people, older people, to come and, and share their wisdom and disciple us, <laughs> and God's answered that prayer yeah. over and over. Um, so it's just been amazing, and, and with the building, um, we've always prayed that God would lead us to the place that he wants us. And sometimes it was frustrating waiting on that place if we were in a place that we didn't feel comfortable in or if we were outgrowing the space, but he always provided in perfect timing, um, there, whether it was people or place or um, he's provided staff when we need staff for the church as Jim's responsibilities have grown. Um, so look back, we praise God for all those answers to prayers in his timing. Thank you, Caitlin. That's awesome. Yeah, when they prayed for gray hair, I didn't realize I was, they're talking about me. Like, my hair's got a lot grayer since we started. 
Brian, you're up. Yeah, uh, the thing I was going to share was a really blended thing with what Ginger and Caleb shared. Um, through the last six or seven years, God's really taught me a lot personally about prayer and uh, just seeing the faithfulness of the people that pray and how God uses uh, faithful prayers and answers those prayers. And uh, to see prayers just by you guys, to see us have a baby and, uh, and Avery and so many other prayers for families and even our church be answered, um, it's been remarkable to me. But then also with what Ginger was saying, to see our church pour into our kids is um, no small thing. Kale loves to come to church just because he gets to be around his friends and even seeing uh, like Caleb and Zach pour into Kale and love on him when he was even in elementary school has just been a special thing, not only for our church members pouring into our kids, but even our youth pouring into our kids has been um, something that's been modeled to them and we're grateful for it. Thank you. Right. Jeff. I'll echo as well, the, the youth. I thought about that also. I had a couple of thoughts. Um, as I was thinking last night about what I would say today, I thought about our coming September of 2012 and meeting up at Centennial Park. There were 15 of us that met just to start praying about about moving uh, up here. Met Brian and Katie and Kel for the first time then. Then I thought about March when a group of us came for a weekend, and we met in Brian and Katie's uh, living room on Sunday morning and worshipped. And to think about that, March of 2013, before most of us moved up here, and then to think where we are now in this building and uh, what's happening in in this large group, is just really remarkable. I I mean, just the, the blessing that God has given to us. The other thought kind of goes along with that is, I was reminded in Luke where, where Jesus is talking to the disciples and um, really shares a couple of things in particular, but, but leaves it with, um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mess it up, but uh, to those who have been given much, much is expected. Mm-hmm. So I think over time we've been given a lot, um, and God's blessed us with the, what he's been given us. I think just thinking forward, I know you talked about how God has, has grown us, but um, I, I think that, that we've been given a lot. We've been given a place to meet. We've grown. Um, I think there's a lot more that he's expecting from us in the future, a lot more responsibility he's going to put on us. I don't know what that looks like, but I, I, think, that that's, I think that's through the faithfulness of, the, of our leadership and um, through... Uh, what's happening with our kids and everything. So I, I'm just really excited about where we've come from. It's been hard, been really hard, um, and it's probably going to be really hard to going forward, but I'm just really excited about the future. Thanks. Thanks, Jeff. I want to bring up a different aspect. When we first met Jim and Cindy and we started talking about planting a church, we talked about a place that in a college town, college students would come and not just attend, but be investing their lives here, and vice versa, we would invest our lives in them. We also wanted to be a place that those who would come out of a college ministry would be a landing spot, that they would see a, a healthy church and cast a vision for them of what a church could be 
and then they'd move on. And so over the years, we've seen a lot of college students and a lot of people come in after college for a few years and leave, and that's always been our mission and vision. It's been hard to watch so many people we love move on to the next place in their life, but I think God has really used the church to be exactly one of the things we wanted to be, which is a healthy church that people could cast a, get a vision that was cast of, this is different, this is what it means to be the body of Christ, and I've seen God work that way. Thank you, Dave. You might, I think that's everybody, Jordan. You might be interested to know, um, I ran, uh, looked at stuff at the end of last year. We've now, we are now at kind of an interesting spot in our short history. We have, I, I use the word deployed, uh, meaning people who have gone on. We've deployed as many people as we currently have in, in the room. In other words, if we, I'm not saying if we weren't a college town, because it's not always been because they graduated, but much of it has been. If, if we weren't in a college town, we would probably be twice our size right now if this was just a place where people landed and stayed. And, um, and we knew that would be hard. And I, honestly, you, never, you know it's going to be hard, but when it starts happening... It's like, no, I didn't mean you leave. I meant everybody else. And, and um, you know, I see Lauren and, and Blake back there, and it's kind of how we, you know, they're visiting. They, they're two of them, you know, and soon to be three. And, uh, you know, but, but that really is part of our stewardship is to help live what it means to be a disciple of Jesus in community and then with the understanding that God's going to call them to other fields. And, uh, and, and that's, that's part of our vision, is that we would be faithful with that. You know, there's another really beautiful thing that, that God's done recently, and that is the provision of this building. I, I know that some of you know this story, and I'm not going to belabor it, but early October, we got word from the Doubletree that they were going to double our rent in January, and they said, by the end of 2020, it'll be tripled. And we couldn't do that. You know, we, we knew that that meant we had to leave. So we started looking at other places, and we literally found no place that was going to work for us. I mean, there were some places that were, we thought maybe the fairgrounds was going to be it, and they said, we can't, we can't rent to the same people, or we're not allowed to do that on a week-to-week basis. And, and so other places that used to fit, we had outgrown other places because we were a religious organization, didn't work. And, and we literally, we, I thought in January we're going to go to a, house, a collection of house churches. That's what I thought probably we were getting ready to do. And then Dennis entered the picture, Doug and Angie and people at Bridgepoint. We began a conversation. And I know some of you all have gotten to see Many of you have gotten to meet Dennis, but I asked him if he, he, he actually came a couple weeks ago, and right as I was getting ready to introduce him, he had, he had to attend a, a need of someone in his congregation and, and had to get up right at that spot. So Dennis is in the back. Dennis, would you just come up? I just want you to, people to see you, and this man has been a tremendous blessing. If you're going to clap, now's the time to clap. So. <laughs> this is like 
This is like the most interesting man in the world right here. You have a really and, tall pastor. And, and he doesn't even drink beer. Well, maybe we hadn't had that conversation. I don't know if he does or not. Maybe he does. But um, he's, they, he's been a great blessing uh, to me and, and to us. And the generosity has been honestly overwhelming. I, I finally had to call one of, one of the men in his church and said, uh, Doug, I, I'm kind of confused. Dennis has been so kind I'm wondering if the other shoe's getting ready to drop. And, uh, and he said, no, that's who he is, Jim. And uh, he, he, his heart is for the king and the kingdom. So what you're seeing is who he is. And, uh, and I found that to be true. So you're checking up on me. Yeah, I was checking up on you. Yeah, I was. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you. And uh, we're looking forward to part, continuing to partner. And, you know, we're, we're just getting started in this journey with them and we're just trusting God to lead us in the way that He wants, yeah. and uh, and that's we're we're united in that. So, but thanks for all you've done, the provision and the kindness you've shown Thank to you. us. Thank you. Yeah, really tired, man. Thanks. Really tired. Yeah. I'm working on it. I would tell you to make yourselves at home, but then that sounds like you're our guest. You're not our guest. This is your home. So, I think Second Corinthians three seventeen says, "Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom." Yeah. Thank you. Yes. <clears throat> he really is the most interesting man in the world. You should get to know him. Several times that I've climbed pikes, uh, I wouldn't describe that experience as a beautiful view from the top uh, at all. The first climb wasn't that way at all. Um, the first climb, Cindy had to talk me through the last two miles because uh, I was totally out of my head. The altitude, I, I brought enough food for a couple weeks, uh, but didn't bring much water, and it cost me. And, um, and I was out of my head and sick, and so we would do 10 steps and then stop. And then we'd do 10 steps. That's how the last couple miles went. Fatigue does strange things to people. Uh, it can keep you from seeing the beauty around you when you're fatigued. And I, it's already been said, but the original 26 plant team members, like, there's times it's been really challenging. Fatigue that comes with starting a new spiritual community has been part of each of our story. And uh, resistant, persistent fatigue brings challenges. Perspective gets cloudy when you're tired. Your, your vision gets really, can get really myopic. The squeeze of busy and tired can have this effect of reducing you and your capacity to where all you feel like you're doing is operating out of your weaknesses. Did you know that the injury rate in the NFL is 100%. In other words, on average, no NFL player escapes injury during the season. Yet most of them don't have to go to the injury reserve list. They keep playing. That'll be true next Sunday 
when you watch the Super Bowl, if you watch the Super Bowl, by the way, I will, um, a significant number of those players that you're watching are going to be playing hurt. It's just reality. In order just to make it on the team, in order just to show up, each of those players have learned how to play hurt. And I guarantee you this, whether they're injured or not, they're all tired. From the coaching staff to the water person, they're tired. And I think there's something in us from that illustration. And I want to share just two strategies, maybe tactics, that I think are important in playing tired. The first one is this. We've got to learn to train in the common way of an ordered, disciplined life. That's really important for our well-being, for each of us. The obvious, there's obvious core disciplines like diet and rest and exercise. One of my disciplines that, that I've had to institute over the years is going to bed at a common time. I don't know if there's such thing as an early bird and a night owl, but I can tell you I married an early bird. And, uh, and I am probably a night owl. But it's been so good for me to institute, I go to bed around the same time, except, you know, special things and sometimes on weekends. That, that's helped me establish a, a core that helps sustain me. There are a lot of, there's a, those are three core spiritual, dis, physical discipline. There's several spiritual disciplines as well that are important for your well-being, for our well-being. Worship, Scripture, meditation, reflection, friendship. That's right, friendship is a discipline, especially if you're busy and tired. Fellowship, Sabbath, solitude, quiet, disciplines of abstinence like fasting. An ordered discipline life provides a baseline level of consistency and strength, and it can, increases your capacity and your resiliency when you're tired or pushed. When you don't have these things, it's easy for life to tackle you and to get you down. They're important. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians, Do you not know that in a race, all the runners are running, but there's only one that gets the prize. Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games go into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. And then Paul says, but we, those of us who are engaged in kingdom life, in ministry, we are doing it to get a crown that will last forever. A disciplined, well-ordered life. I don't mean becoming a robot. But I, re- I mean living a disciplined, well-ordered life should be your goal. It does not have to look the same as the person sitting next to you. It can be a way that you live purposefully, intentionally, with discipline in a way that fits 
your situation and your person. But it needs to be there. The second strategy is really more one of perspective than it is practice. It's how you look at busy and fatigue. We have to come to view those things, fatigue and busy, as a normal part of the landscape of living responsibly. If you're going to live in community, if you're going to live with mission, if you really want to leave a mark, I got news for you, you're going to be busy. I got news for you, you're going to probably fairly regularly be tired. Jesus was busy. Look at his life. Now, he wasn't hurried. There's a difference. One of my reflections over the last six, eight weeks, I shared it with our our Circle Up team this morning, is I've been sped up the last couple months. And, uh, And when I get tired, what I do is I press in harder. And I speed up. And that's often unhealthy. And so I, when I get sped up, I, I'm sped up. And I sometimes miss things. And that's been true. So I'm not talking about living hurried. I'm not talking about a frantic lifestyle where you're not being attentive to the things that are important. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm just simply saying, if you're going to engage the things that are important that are on God's heart, busy and fatigue will visit you. It'll be part of your life. It doesn't mean you have to be that way all the time. So don't, please don't hear what I'm not saying today. But I want to share with you a couple of biblical principles that have really become my friend. Learning to deal with busy and fatigue. And I think they'll really help. And if you're not familiar with them, I really challenge you this morning to try them on. The first one is the principle of resting in Christ. Who said, come unto me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you, what is it? Rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If you don't hear anything else, hear this from this point. Christ is able, available, and willing to give you rest in a way no vacation, no Sabbath, no time off can give you. Christ does that. He's inviting weary people. Come unto me. And I can't tell you how many times I have been at my end, and I know I'm speaking for many of you as well. And I've experienced that. Christ, I'm coming to you in my tired, in my fatigue, in my busy. And I just need to trust you right now. Because I don't have the luxury of just checking out right now, God. So would you help me? It's that same principle that Christ taught over and over of the exchanged life. You lay your life at my feet and I'll take care of you. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Why am I bringing this up on Oath Sunday? Well, this is because, best I can tell, what God asked me to say. We've got to learn to come to Christ with our needs. The world says, if you're busy and tired, you need to stop working so hard. You need to slow down. 
Maybe. Sometimes we need to hear that. But hear me say, if you're going to live purposefully with mission and in community, busy and tired is going to be part of that. We have to learn to live with it. The second principle is this. It's the principle of strength and weakness. I'm going to, I'm going to pause real quick before I even read this passage. Don't let a cloud of guilt start resting on your head. Some of you are in seasons of life where you're not outputting at the level you wish you were. You can't be as involved as you want to be. Let me say it again. Don't hear what I'm not saying. For example, you just had a baby or you're like in this crazy semester of your life or work is knocking you out. Uh, This is not an appeal to like give more time to the church. Now, this is to say, if you're going to be involved in the things of God, it will cost you. And we learn to come to Jesus with that. And we can't protect our lives from busy and fatigue. So, Paul's learning this in 2 Corinthians 12. He was playing hurt. He had a significant health issue. We don't really know what it is. Some people say it was blindness, that Paul had eyesight issues. Other people have other opinions. But he asked God to take away his disease, and God said this to him, my grace is sufficient for you. I'm not taking this away, Paul. For my power is made perfect in weakness. So Paul comes to this conclusion. Therefore, since I can't get rid of this, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. So that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and insults in hardships and persecutions and difficulties. Anybody relate to, to those things? For when I am weak, he says, then I am strong. God began forming this lesson to me as a child. I don't know why, he just did. There were... In playing athletics, there were times I was exhausted and had an important game. And he began forming in me and learning from Paul, like, you can trust me with this. This has been absolutely transformational. These two principles for learning how to play tired, even hurt, are formational and foundational for a productive life. So don't miss these. When we look to other sources of rest, Entertainment, vacations, medicating through unhealthy vices like pornography or video games and they become addicted. They never give us what they promise, those things. That's why you can take a great vacation and come home more tired than when you left. Anybody ever experienced that? Again, don't hear me say what I'm not saying. I'm not saying don't take vacations. Don't take time off. Don't ever play a video game. I would say don't ever look at pornography. You can put that one in that column. But when we make Christ the source of our well-being, that's what the psalmist was getting at. When we make Him the source of our well-being, He delivers to us real life and strength. His life is not just about heaven one day, someday. It's about right here and right now. Come unto me. Sometimes when I've climbed Pike's Peak, 
I've gotten up there, and the issue hasn't been my fatigue, it's been weather. There's weather issues up there. If you've climbed Pikes Peak or driven up there, you've probably seen some weather up there. Lightning storms come through there frequently, and you can't control it. All you can do is deal with it. I've gotten stuck on top of the mountain twice in lightning storms, and both times had to come back down the mountain in the middle of the storm. They, it just got up there and stayed. So our only option was a hike 13 miles down in a storm. You know, when you're in a storm, you're just trying to navigate the next few steps, right? You, sometimes you can't even see five steps ahead of you. You can see one or two. You have to keep it really simple. There are storms, and then there's some other kind of weather thing up there that I've had to deal with. It's called fog. It means you're in a cloud. Fog on the mountain is generally not dangerous being in a cloud. But it can be really disorienting. It's, you can't see clearly through it at all. There's a picture. You get to that picture, um, Mackenzie, of that one. That's a picture Cindy took uh, one year when we were up there hiking. And you can't see much because that's what it looked like. There is a trail in there if you look real hard. It kind of goes that way through the middle. Of the, of the picture. Currently, we've got, we're in a little bit of a fog at Rock Hill. We're on top of a mountain, and it's foggy up here. It's not because we're in a storm. As far as I know, we're not. <laughs> if we are, decide if you want to let me know or not. But we are in some transitions. And transitions bring their own fog. It's the nature of transitionals. In your personal life, in families, you have a baby, you bury a parent, your kid goes off to college, you start kindergarten, you start a new job, you're in transition. And they bring their own fog with them. It's not bad, it's not good, it just is. Rock Hill, we're experiencing some transition right now. It's not just because we've moved from a hotel to a 70-year-old building. It's just that that move has kind of exposed the transition, I think. And hell, it, we, we feel it a little bit more right now. The transition, a bigger transition has actually been going on for a while. And that transition is from a church plant where we're asking, are we going to make it? That's the big question of a church plant. To, it looks like we have. We think we have. To, yeah, it looks like it. And that's a transition that honestly we're still in. It's, be, it's the transition of becoming established. So, last week, we pray, God, please establish the work of our hands. And that's a transition. You know, when you're in a fog, it's also difficult to see more than a few steps down the trail. You know, there's no need to over... If you're in a storm, uh, you should overreact. Get down the mountain. There was, there was one year, uh, I went with about 50 men. Uh, we climbed Pikes Peak, and then... We got in a storm and had to get back down. 
And there was all kinds of questions getting asked. You know, like, what do we do with this? We said, look, stay on the trail and get down the mountain. Do that. Don't stop. Keep going down the mountain. That's the only thing we know to tell you. When you're in a fog, you don't have to overreact. But it's really easy to overreact. Why? Because you can't see very well. So, sometimes we overreact because we're disoriented. And here's what happens in a community when you overreact is other people overreact to your overreaction. And then the disorientation just gets worse. We're not robots. We're human beings. We overreact sometimes. It's really okay. It's not what we want to do, but it just means we're human. So how do we keep our perspective when we're in a fog? It's not a crisis. It's just fog. It's only a crisis if we make it. So how do we deal with it? Well, we'll return to our core. That's what you do when you're in fog. You say, what's my purpose? What's the most important thing to do here? What should I be focused on? What are our priorities? That's how you get through a fog. It's how you get through life transitions. You say, what are we about? How do we stay? What's our mission? And how can we be faithful in the fog? That's really important. One thing we do is we give each other a whole lot of grace. Paul wrote this to the church in Ephesus. As a prisoner for the Lord, I urge you to walk worthy of the calling you receive. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient. Bear with one another in love. Keep, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. One of the things you focus on when you're in a fog together is unity. Is unity. And when we overreact, like I have some the last six weeks, and then someone overreacts to your overreaction, you return to, what's our unity? That we agree about this thing? No. Our unity, where is it? It's in Christ. It's our allegiance to Jesus. And then somehow in that unity, um, we get through it. We get through it together. And that's what we want to do. We stay true to the plain teaching of God's Word. We stay committed to that. We find unity there. In the fog, a lot more patience, time, grace, mercy is needed as we seek together to live in the way, truth, and life of Jesus together. When I, one year I climbed Pikes Peak with 50 men. This is another time. And on, a lot of them had never done it before. And on the way up, a lot of them really struggled. They did what I did the first time. They didn't take enough water. You don't, might not think that's a big deal, but if you've done it, you know that's a really big deal. Altitude and dehydration is not a good combination. So as I was going up, and with, with my little posse, we frequently came across our guys who were just stuck on the mountain. They were just standing there, sometimes out of their wits. And we'd ask them a question. We could tell they weren't 100% with us. So what did we do? We stopped. We gave them our water. And we talked them through to get up the mountain. Sometimes when you're in a fog and you're disoriented, we have to be that for each other. 
We have to help each other get up. And we will do that. When you're on a trail in the fog, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. Stay simple and move forward. Our main thing is our mission statement. Do you know it? Sometimes I'll hear people don't know what our mission is, and that's partly on me. I don't say it enough. We should say it more. Maybe we need to get coffee mugs and t-shirts with a mission statement. I don't know. It's helping people to know and follow Christ. Living and leading in His likeness to the ends of the earth. If you're a part of us, please memorize that. It's not Scripture, but it does represent what we think the thrust of Scripture is. It has our what in it, which is the Great Commission, help others become disciples of Jesus. It has our how in it, the Great Commandment. Love God with every dimension of your being and love others as you love yourself. Operate in love for God, for others, for self. To love is to seek the good of another. To seek their best. If you're ever unclear about what we're about, come back to this. To know and love. and To know and follow Christ. Living and leading in His likeness to the ends of the earth. You may be familiar that there's a genius embedded in the Great Commission. It's not when you get to it, make disciples. It's not carve time out of your ordinary life to make disciples. The genius is in the verb. It's a participle, English majors. As you're going, make disciples. In your ordinary lives, make disciples. When you're tired, make disciples. When you're hurt, make disciples. That may be your most fruitful time to do it. When other people see you strong when you're weak. It means we can make disciples anytime and anywhere. That's our quest. That's what we're aiming for, especially in our common life communities. How do we be and make disciples and how do we do it together? That's our how. That's our why. Our mission is not to get busy doing church things. Our mission is to help people know and follow Jesus. Whether we're doing church things, work things, I started to say play things, that sounds kind of weird to me. Whatever we're doing, making disciples. I'm going to close. Um, We're going to be done here in just a few minutes. But I want to do two things before we close. Uh, One is to let you know about a course that we have coming up. Um, it's called Foundations. So 18 months ago, we began asking the question, should we do what's often called church membership? And if so, what's that look like? How do we do that? The reason for church membership is it's a way to give ourselves some tangibility in making commitment as a people together. And we think that's important. We think that's an an honest expression to say, I'm committed to following Christ with this community. So we, we entitled it Covenant Membership. We make a covenant together that while we know we're not going to do it perfectly, we are going to work together as a people in our mission. So over the last 18 months, I've been covertly um, slipping the content of our Foundations course into a lot of the messages. 
which should be no surprise. I mean, we should be talking about what's most important. There was a sermon series I gave two years ago called Walking Worthy. You might remember that. And then there was another one we did last year called Camping on Rock Hill. And those had much of that content. If you've been part of our community for the last few years, you know that we gave opportunity for people to sign our covenant. Um, now we're taking our next step in the process with this foundations course. It's a four-session seminar, and it, it seeks to address who we are and what we're about. Jordan's going to announce the dates of foundations here at the end when he gives announcements. Aren't you, Jordan? Okay, thank you. Um, now, an opportunity will be given if you've been around and you're in a CLC or life group and you didn't get the covenant signed, partly due to I didn't do a good job rolling it out, uh, you'll be given the opportunity to sign it without having to come to the course. After that, uh, attendance in the foundations course will be required for covenant membership. And then each year going forward, we'll renew the covenant early in the year. And also going forward, uh, covenant membership will be required for people serving in a leadership role in the church. It'll be part of it. So I want to let you know about that. That's coming. We'll, we'll do a round of, of uh, foundations in, I think, three Thursday nights in, uh, well, in two Saturday mornings in February that Jordan will tell you, and then, and then we're going to do it in three Tuesday nights in March. I think I said that correctly, but he'll, he'll give the dates. If you, have, if you still have questions about it, feel free to ask through a welcome card or any way you can just ask somebody. And then the second thing I want to do is quickly introduce our leaders to you. We, we try to do that once a year because, because they change, and we're not going to like introduce them by name because I know that, that um, it's 10 to 12, and we want to try to get out of here close to 12 as we can. So we do have a group of leaders here. We call them our leadership community. And they are our Common Life Community CLC coaches, our life group leaders with challenge, as well as our team leaders. Uh, and they, they lead out in the church, and they comprise our leadership community. And there's about 50 of them currently, 45 or so, I think. Um, I don't know how many are in the room uh, or not. Some of them are in the kids' ministry, probably. I think some of them have snuck in from the kids' ministry. So if you're leading... Uh, either as a, C well, let's do it this way, CLC coach and assistant coach, those leading in the CLC ministry. We'd like you guys, can I, you guys stand real quick? We just want our community to see who you are, to put a face. So these are our CLC coaches, they're in the room. And um, thank you guys for your leadership. Uh, team leaders, well, coaches can go ahead and have a seat. We want to see team leaders. If you're not sure you are one, you probably are. Uh, just stand up, and uh, you're leading out in different areas. In other words, if you're a leader and it didn't fit what I just said, you, then that's you. Okay, thank you guys. I also want to introduce you to our staff. Uh, believe it or not, we actually have a staff of 12 now. And uh, there's several people who are, you know, you know, the line between, for us, the line between staff and just a, a leader, just a leader, it, it's, it's kind of not that. It's not like a, a wall. Uh, the, our staff are people. Their, their role is this. They're, they're not like, we don't have a hierarchical level here. They're not like over the rest of us. They're there to help, our lead, to help resource and equip our leaders 
to fulfill what God's asked them to do. That, that's what the staff does, is resource and equip. And so I want to introduce them to you. I'm Jim. Hi, I'm the senior pastor. It's good to meet you. That's what I do. And, um, and then I'll just say your name. Would you stand and just keep standing? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell us what they do. Becca uh, Winicky is in the back. She is our administrative assistant. And she also leaves our children's ministry. And she always keeps me out of a whole lot of trouble. So uh, she does a great job. Uh, ben Hausman, uh, keep standing back. I, I, I know you don't like it. Unless you need to go do children's stuff, then you can. But if you're here, just stay up. I want people to really see you. <clears throat> ben Hausman leads our worship. And you may know Debbie had a baby about three or four weeks ago. So we've given him a paternity leave. And that's why you haven't seen him the last few weeks. Uh, but he leads our worship, and people like Emily and Chance and other great people have been uh, filling in. And as you know, we, we rotate in and out. We have a regular rhythm of leading and teaching and all that anyway. But Ben leads our worship. He plans and organizes, leads, evaluates our worship uh, ministry. Brian um, serves as our financial manager. Uh, he keeps us out of trouble with the IRS, which is really great. Manage their money. And so Becca, Ben, Brian, and I are all employed by the church. I'm the only full-time currently. These guys are different levels of, of part-time. So that's who they are. Okay, you guys, I'll let you sit down now. Let me, our, equally though strategic for us is not just people who are employed. We have volunteer staff. We have several of them. Chad and Alex, y'all stand. They lead our Common Life Community Ministry, which is our a really core ministry of the church. And uh, so we have nine or ten, I don't know how many we have, eight or nine, nine or ten, something like that, CLCs in the church, and they lead, lead out in that. Um, Marley, are you, yeah, Marley's in the back there. Marley is a volunteer staff. And Jordan, will you go ahead and stand up too? These guys, I can't tell you what one thing they do because they do several things. Uh, but we have staff meeting three times a month, and everybody I'm introduced to comes to that meeting, and they, they are constantly wearing different hats, and sometimes they have to take one hat off because I give them a new hat, and I say, put that one down for a little while. Uh, Caleb and Mallory, uh, they lead our youth called Rhyme. You're familiar with that. They do a great job. They have a team that leads with them, and we're so encouraged by that. Debbie Adams, she's our newest staff member. Uh, Debbie Adams is Pharaoh on Sunday mornings. She is... I, no, 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 no. I didn't mean that negatively. That, that was... I didn't mean she's cracking the whip. I mean, she's our worship gathering director. And uh, it, there was nothing critical in that comment. There was nothing. I kind of like Pharaoh. I don't know. But okay, let me start all over. <laughs> Debbie's our Joseph, and she like leaves our <laughs> Sunday morning. <clears throat> so she, she's oversees what goes on Sunday morning other than like what goes on on the stage, if that makes sense. She oversees that. And then our, our last one to introduce you is Dustin Stanley. Dustin is an inter staff intern with us. Go ahead and stand, Dustin. And uh, he and his wife, Scal, so he does whatever I ask him to do. That's, what, that's his job description. And then his, he and his wife, Scout are leading Project Impact this summer with us. So we're excited about that. So um, thank you guys for serving in, in, as staff. And, uh,
And then, as you may know, we also have a team of elders of three, uh, Chad and Caleb and I, and we're, we're you know, re-looking at that as far as how that's forming and developing. I, I want to mention two other groups. They're, they're not formally a part of Rock Hill, but, but as far as we both are concerned, they are us. Not necessarily exclusively, but it's our collegiate ministries. And so Bridgeway with Brian and Katie Whitaker and Katie... Katie O, Katie Osborne, you guys stand real quick so we see you. Uh, they, they lead our international student ministry. We also partner with other groups that do international student ministry too, like Friends and Bridges. But these guys are really us, and we're so grateful for you and the work you do. And, and there are people in this room right now because of your leadership. So thank you and how guys led you. Uh, <clears throat> And, and then Christian Challenge is a ministry we love and are so, as get Ginger, stand up. And if you're on staff with Christian Challenge, go ahead and stand up. There's a few of you in the room here. And there's many, many students who are also, uh, who are in the room, who are part of that. And uh, we're so grateful for you guys. And we love what you do. And uh, consider it a privilege to get to walk, walk together in this. And we, we made a commitment to each other when we started. We're going to figure this thing out together. And uh, sometimes it's been foggy, but we, we just keep helping each other get up the mountain. And that's the way to do it. And we're committed to that. So thank you. <clears throat> there, there, I'm going to say this, and I, I think Emily will have to cut the last song. Sorry. It's the, it's the one I picked, too. Oh, but we'll, maybe we'll sing it next week, which... You, you won't care. You won't be here. You won't be. You won't be leading, will you? I, I'm sorry. I, I was afraid this would happen. Um, Jordan, you can make your way up and do closing announcements. Um, I want to tell you there are emerging ministries that in our in our community, um, but I want to tell you how we like, like North Lawrence and like Project Project is transitioning because it's it's under our leadership now like uh, at-risk families and children, um, like maybe London. We, you, know, I, you may know I went to London last fall, and we're, we're looking at forming a partnership there. And there's some other things, too, in that, and I would put in that category of emerging. And then there's also ministries we have that we really want to see continue to develop, like our family ministry, like men and women's ministry, like our youth ministry and our children's ministry. We already have those, like our Great Commission training. Um, one of the things we're trying to do in increasing measure is get me fired from things that I don't need to be doing so I can give more attention to our training ministry, and we're, we're working on that. Because uh, I'm not very good at leading the organization of the church. Some of you, that's not news to you, right? Um, and so we're, we're trying to help with that. Um, but I want to close with a, a saying Jesus said. He said, the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed and yeast in a bread. Nobody notices it when it starts. It's just there, and it's doing its work. That woman's working that yeast into that flour and water. And it doesn't look impressive till it comes out of the oven. That mustard seed, all those seeds go into the ground. Nobody notices them. They're almost microscopic. We think Jesus is really tell, saying something very important that has implications for how we do church, how we do our lives, how we do ministry. We should pay attention to what Jesus says about the kingdom. 
we think that the God-honoring and wise approach to start and develop ministry is generally not by trying to make big splashes with or making big pronouncements for what we're going to do. Um, we think he taught a different way. It starts with prayer. That's where ministry starts. Talking to God about what we're doing with Him. Your kingdom come, your will be done, he prays. And then we take to mind and heart his teachings about the kingdom, about seeds and about bread, faithfully planting and sowing and working in, purposefully working yeast in the dough. And then giving it time to see what God does. And then we can look back and say, that is a beautiful view. That is a beautiful view. I remember Caleb Mallory just two or three years ago when we said, we need a youth ministry. But how do we do that? Well, we started praying. And we just prayed that God would do a work in, in our, with our youth. And uh, I, won't, I won't pick on them because they would hate it if I did. But over Christmas, our youth had a party in our basement. And I, am, I was stunned at what I heard coming out of their mouths. And they, they, they looked at some of the leaders in the church, made eye contact and said, you have taught me this. And I have an ambition for this now. See that? There, there was only 10 of them down there. You know, I'm not going to stand up because we had 100 in our basement. You know, we got good. No, we had, we had 10. And we saw the kingdom at, at work. And whether it's 10 or whether it's 100 or hundreds, we really want it to be God's work. We really want Him to establish the work of our hands. If it's 10, He'll give us grace to be satisfied with that. If it's hundreds, He'll give us grace to be responsible with it. We'd look to Him 